You're listening to the Skift Podcast. I'm Skift Senior Research Analyst Pranavi Agarwal, and today on the podcast, we feature a conversation that I had with Uncle Randev, Chief Commercial Officer of Highgate, following up on our recent on-stage discussion at the Skift Future of Lodging Forum on the topic of big bets and future investments. We had such a rich conversation during our session at the Future of Lodging that we invited Uncle back to delve deeper into today's hospitality investment climate. For more in-depth analysis of the global travel industry, including research reports, analysis and data tools, check out Skift Research at research.skift.com. Welcome everyone to the Skift Travel Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm delighted to speak with Ankur Randev today. He is the Chief Commercial Officer of Highgate, which is one of the largest hotel management companies in the US. Highgate has about 560 properties in its network and around 90,000 rooms under management. I actually met Ankur a few weeks ago at Skift's Future of Lodging Forum in London, where I interviewed him on stage as part of a three-person panel where we discussed the big bets and investments in the lodging sector. And I'm really looking forward to delving deeper into Highgate's investment strategy today. So welcome, Ankur. It's great to have you. Thank you, Pranavi. Wonderful to be here again. And uh, again, a good opportunity to speak to you again. <laughs> great. Yeah. So let's just get straight into it. So at, at the forum, we kicked it off by discussing how lending and investment activity might play out in the next six to 12 months. And Joe Pettigrew, who is the chief commercial officer at Starwood, who joined you on stage, he said that he hadn't seen many deals. Um, interestingly, on the back of his comments, one of the things that you mentioned, which I thought was quite interesting, was that, yes, it's pretty uncertain out there, um, but that opportunities will arise as assets which reach their loan maturity as they come up for refinancing. Um, and because of all of the, those kind of factors, there will inevitably be more activity and more opportunity. So my question to you is, A, how many deals have you done in the last six to 12 months? And B, are you actually feeling pretty optimistic that deal flow will increase fairly soon since you'll be able to kind of capitalize on distressed or uh, distressed assets and the opportunities that arise from that? Sure. Uh, so I, I think uh, from, from perspective of our, uh, our, our deal making, we've, we've been pretty prolific in the last couple of years. Uh, the last uh, 12 months, uh, we've closed on two uh, two big deals. One, of course, uh, was a, a complex uh, project in Portugal, which included uh, uh, 18 hotel, one development site, couple of golf courses, a resi piece to it. And then most recently, we just uh, closed on our acquisition of Viceroy Hotel Group. So both of these deals uh, kind of do draw a conviction around what we think happens in the short term. Uh, we see a big disconnect, uh, like everybody does, uh, from a capital market perspective to what ground realities are. The ground performance on field is very robust. It's always uh, very tough to prognosticate on, on the macro, but from a perspective of how we see, uh, how, how we see uh, the velocity of, of travelers, uh, you know, the average rates that uh, continue to find support where they are, uh, you know, this morning, Delta's earnings around uh, how robust they think uh, the summer is going to be. There is a fairly a strong conviction in, in how we uh, see uh, at least the macro in the short term. From a perspective of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, deals becoming more prolific, 
I mean, they will happen in a couple of buckets. Uh, what you outlined, one is definitely, you know, a fun life maturity issues. You know, there'll be liquidity, liquidity issues uh, and so on and so forth. So we'll definitely see some distress uh, uh, in, 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 the, in the coming months, uh, especially in, in light of the rising interest rates and how they are kind of behaving in terms of the SOFRs. But overall, uh, you know, our, our, our in-house view is that we continue to evaluate uh, where we think we can uh, continue to add value. And, and that's pretty much been a fundamental of uh, deal-making. It's never about uh, the sake of growing uh, for the sake of growth, for instance. It's always about uh, where we can add value. And, and those are the things that we'll continue to uh, keep looking at. Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty interesting time out there. You know, uh, on the one hand, you've got a really tough macro environment, high inflation, rising interest rates, you know, a banking sector in turmoil, uh, you know, the cost of debt has gone up, but at the same time, kind of hotel, underlying hotel performance has been so robust so that valuations are actually still high. So you've got that pretty interesting disconnect, but um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think you can, you can stay pretty optimistic um, knowing that deal flow might increase. You know, the Fed has said that interest rates might actually moderate in, into kind of the second half of half of this year. And especially with the kind of banks out the picture as more assets come up for refinancing, I think companies like Highgate could actually, it could actually be a, a really opportune, opportune um, moment for you. Um, so yeah, so that was great. Um, I think let's kind of talk a little bit about some of the wider trends that we're seeing in, in travel. And, you know, we heard a lot of positive takes from hospitality leaders at the event. And I think one interesting slide kind of data point, which was presented by Richard Clark, who covers the lodging sector from a Wall Street perspective, who also joined you um, on stage at the, as part of the panel. He showed that, you know, we're currently in a supply demand dreamland, as he called it because demand is growing much faster than supply in many, many markets. And actually, supply pipelines are currently still far, far lower than historical averages kind of in the last five to 10 years. So from your perspective, are we entering a supply demand dreamland? And in which parts of the landscape do you see the most kind of supply demand imbalance for you to really capitalize on? I mean, uh, I think, I think, uh... The industry right now is, uh, you know, it's it's unprecedented uh, times and in a, in a good way because we're seeing definitely a lot of robust demand that kind of came through COVID. A lot of folks termed it sugar high, revenge travel, so on and so forth. But it has found support. A lot of people, a lot of folks did kind of allude to leisure, you know, overcompensating. Corporate will never come back to where it is. This morning, again, I was listening to uh, the CEO of Delta. He said he's already at 85% of 2019 levels uh, and so on and so forth. But, but again, the fundamentals of accommodations have been always uh, robust. Uh, travel continues to be fertile uh, from, from our lenses. Uh, and again, to Richard's point, I mean, the most, most significant trend that we've observed is on the alternate accommodation, short-term uh, rental space, is there's a, been a big convergence over the last uh, several years. Of course, it, it was propelled by COVID, uh, you know, with, of course, the hybrid work situation and so on and so forth. But as, you know, we continue to observe that this is a very interesting space because a lot of folks uh, who have been, you know, hotel users, 
uh, are looking for uh, you know a home like experience and you know a lot of short term folks want hotel type amenities so this convergence is kind of very interesting that we continue to observe uh, across the platform and and you know we are kind of invested in in a, in a vehicle called central with an s uh, uh, you know it's a joint venture between us iconic and bazuto we have about uh, close to 10000 units in that space now and they're doing really well uh, and we continue to kind of uh, you know track uh, the performances of those but i can tell you that that's uh, that's one singular uh, you know trend that has been uh, you know kind of supported by secular tailwinds in terms of demand and how people have adopted this uh, new space yeah that's very interesting um you know at the forum we also spoke with kind of leaders in the vacation rental industry and they were also talking about the blending of the hotel and short term rental industry and how that has created a new type of uh, offering and how there's consumer demand really kind of backing that um and have you actually seen um this kind of demand actualize in highgates kind of future investments are you investing more into it or um you know you you're more focused on 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 just the hotels and kind of on the back of that do you find that the blending of hotel and short term rentals offers maybe higher margins or higher returns than just a hotel on its own or just a short term rental on its own so is it the blending that's really what's significant here so i think i think the blending has been uh, it, it's it's always kind of had its own uh, swim lane for a long time and that was the home away days that got acquired by verbo and of course uh, you know other platforms that were in existence uh, of course covid has propelled this entire blending to accelerate uh, you know at a unprecedented level and quick and nobody understood it till till it happened uh, so our our view will is continue to uh, you know invest in opportunities that we can unlock value for our stakeholders our guests and so on and so forth so we do see a lot of blending but we will al- always see how people search for these accommodation so i think uh, while while we see these trends on the ground where people want more and more of this convergence you know blending kind of accommodation between hotels and uh, you know long term stay but there have also we've kind of observed on how they are searching are they using different channels i know you know airbnb has been a verb in that space for a long time so so we see a lot of demand coming from that channel we see continue to see a demand coming from expedia and booking.com that have kind of uh, started listing these accommodation in their main listing so i think uh, uh, the convergence is real the lines are getting blurrier by the day and it's now uh, at at, at uh, a, a, a place where people are actually looking at what accommodation needs are best suited for them and since they have both of those need, uh, you know uh, accommodations kind of given to them in terms of the search results so we we continue to invest in in our hotel space equally uh, but again not uh, not ignoring what the traveler is kind of looking for so there has to be an interesting blend and we are very prepared for it with our uh, learnings on central space great let's um let's kind of move on to a key trend aside from the short term rental boom um and it's been one of the mega trends that we've been talking a lot about at skift which has been around the luxury segment and the huge amount of investor interest it has really garnered in the last couple of years 
And since Highgate got a new CEO in late 2021, it seems that Highgate has been more interested in acquiring luxury lifestyle properties. Um, and it seems that the Viceroy portfolio acquisition verifies that. And I know you mentioned it earlier. Can you tell us a little bit more about Viceroy and your investment into the luxury space? Sure. So, uh, so when we look at Viceroy, what we see is that it has an incredible, incredible uh, brand recognition in the B2C space. We see it uh, equally very robust in the B2B lifestyle space. People recognize it. Uh, you know, it's a very, very, uh, you know, a, a known brand out there. And again, you know, a, a brand which has some iconic assets, which has uh, that uh, reputation anchored around. Uh, you know, we are trying to see uh, the value proposition that we can continue to uh, uh, bring to the wider, uh, you know, space uh, from a scalability perspective. But, uh, but with the teams that we've kind of acquired from the Viceroy, uh, you know, uh, a group, uh, it's, it's, it's a set of very incredible uh, committed individuals who build this great brand. Uh, where we see there's a lot of value is from a wider platform is we have a, a lot of, uh, lot of uh, in-house capabilities on design, uh, branding, uh, you know, adjacencies when purchasing, revenue management, sales. So we want to definitely lend a lot of that uh, from the wider platform into Viceroy, but let Viceroy continue to do what they've done so well uh, on the branding space. So, uh, so that was the, the thesis for our interest in Viceroy, and we, we kind of closed the acquisition a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, the teams have integrated really well, and now we're kind of uh, you know uh, concluding our thesis on how we grow this platform. Uh, so, so that was definitely one of the one of the reasons that we've had a very strong uh, CEO who's had a very very robust career, especially on the lifestyle space. Join us, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and again, uh, from a perspective of luxury, as you know, luxury is a very different space. It's not it's not something that we look at as a scalable proposition. The valuations for those assets continue to trade at trophy values, and so on and so forth. But again, we have an iconic hotel in Boston called the Newberry, uh, which does exceptionally well. Uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of in-house learning while we kind of created that project, uh, right from our principals, founders, to, to every, every associate that was uh, part of that project. Uh, there was enormous learning. And we've understood that lifestyle luxury is a very different space. Uh, you know, it's, it's highly personable. It's highly, uh, highly uh, you know, customer facing as opposed to what what you're trying to solve for, you know, what you're offering and so on and so forth. And and once you deliver that experience, we observe that uh, you know people love to come back and love to experience that. And again, it's 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 just uh, it's a word of mouth experience. Uh, so so we're very happy with what we have concluded so far, but or accomplished so far. But uh, but again, it's it's we are on the first base here, and and again, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting you talked about the trophy valuations that come with luxury hotels. And I think I think luxury is a very interesting segment because, yes, it offers much higher fee streams, much higher revenues than hotels further down the chain scale. But it also has much higher costs, which means that luxury hotels generally tend to be lower margin and offer lower ROI than kind of mainstream equivalents. So kind of what's the appeal of, of, of luxury hotels if margins and returns are lower than mainstream hotels? And I mean, I should caveat this by saying that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that 
prior to Viceroy, about 10 to 15% of your portfolio, uh, was, only 10 to 15% was in luxury and uh, lifestyle. So before that, you were in the higher margin, kind of mainstream mid-scale. Um, so so what, what is it about luxury that's really got you investing so heavily into it? Right. So, so again, when you kind of look at, say, a Newberry, it used to be an underperforming four-star hotel in a very good location. When we looked at that opportunity, we, 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 were, we had a lot of conviction on what we can create here in terms of reimagination for that, uh, for that asset and for that location, and we created Newberry. So, so while there could be some you know, different operating plans for luxury, but I think that kind of does attest our thesis on, on, on the opportunity that we can uh, unlock in terms of uh, complex projects. And I think uh, the appeal for luxury is that uh, we, want, we are uh, we are a wide, wide player and, uh, you know, uh, you know, in the accommodation industry, we, we have a full service uh, element, we have select service element, and we have lifestyle luxury element. We have resorts element. So from a, from a real estate uh, uh, standpoint, we play in all platforms. So the appeal is uh, continue to kind of unlock uh, the projects where we can add a lot of value, not just for 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 just the immediate stakeholders, but also what we do for the for for the communities in terms of what we reimagined uh, at the Boston project. Now it's probably one of the best hotels in Boston. So we we continue to kind of look for such opportunities where it becomes a project that is not just centered around the margin play, but also it becomes a very special place for everyone to kind of experience. Yeah, so, another thing, yeah, I think, I, I think another thing I found pretty interesting about the Viceroy acquisition, um, not only that it's in luxury, which is something that you're kind of investing newly into, is that it's also Highgate's first acquisition of a full consumer brand, whereas previously your portfolio um, kind of mainly consisted of single hotels, which you acquired. So has your investment strategy shifted towards buying bigger portfolios? I think you touched a little bit on this already, talking about kind of complex, uh, complex portfolios. You know, it's something that we've seen the bigger hotel chains do as well, you know, buying a large portfolio of hotels and then soft branding them under a Marriott or an IHG. Can, can you talk a little bit about this new branded strategy? Why have you gone for a brand versus a single, a single luxury hotel? Right. So there, there was no, uh, there was pre Viceroy, there was no, uh, uh, you know, convic- there was no like strategy that we didn't want to kind of uh, create or uh, build or buy brands. We are opportunistic. I think Viceroy was the right fit for us. Uh, we believed in uh, the project from the minute we saw it. We looked at the team. We looked at uh, the B2C brand uh, recognition that it has, and we found it to be very powerful. So I think uh, those were a couple of things among many that we looked at when we kind of concluded that this is the route we want to take. Uh, now, pre-Viceroy, we've created a lot of special projects, but they were individual brands. You know, we created the Quinn back in the days. We had the Knickerbocker. Of course, Newberry is the crown jewel, uh, and so on and so forth. But the point here is... Uh, that Viceroy is is a vehicle that we think we can grow because uh, you know we found it to be incredible uh, uh, recognition uh, brand recognition that it has developed over the last decade and a half. So so that was part of the play with Viceroy. But again, when you kind of look at investment strategy per se, we continue to look at everything. Uh, you know, Europe is our new foray. Uh, we've kind of been in Europe for a couple of decades. We've, uh, you know, operated in Europe really well. We've exited very well on two occasions. And now we are re-entered uh, Portugal, 
which we found to have incredible uh, demand supply uh, fundamentals. It's not easy to build there. Uh, it's not easy to get into a, a addressable manner uh, because of uh, you know the deep moat it has in terms of supply demand. And now we've kind of observed that it has quickly become one of the uh, strongest leisure destinations within Europe's, uh, you know, and internationally now for Americans and others. So those are the things that we look at uh, when we kind of look at uh, our investment strategies. Uh, we are investor in technology as well. We've invested in 15 uh, uh, companies that, uh, you know, are around travel. Our, our thesis there has always been that we want to go deep versus wide. We want it to be complementary to our core business. And we are agnostic at what stage we invest in as long as it creates a lot of value for our core business. So I think these are the fundamentals of our investment. And, and again, we stay true to them and uh, you know we continue to uh, look for those opportunities. I think we'll, uh, I definitely want to discuss Europe and the, um, I think about $1 billion worth of real estate you've done in Portugal. But before we kind of get onto that, um, I think I want to discuss a little bit about Highgate as a brand. Uh, whilst we're still kind of talking about that. And I think the CEO of Highgate, he has talked about marketing Highgate itself as a brand. Um, and I think this is pretty unheard of from management companies. You know, most consumers don't know who owns or manages a hotel when they're staying at it. And I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit dubious, <laughs> if I'm honest. Will a consumer really click on a hotel because of the brand name of its management company rather than kind of checking reviews on Google and wanting to tap into a loyalty program. In your opinion, is this something that will kind of really work out, materialize? What's the, what's the end goal here? I, I, think, I think we'll continue to uh, flush all avenues out uh, as, they, uh, as they come across. And I think Arash that time may have uh, wanting to allude to what we were trying to do with Viceroy, but of course we couldn't really talk much about that uh, transaction until it happened. But I think from a B to a C perspective, uh, which you spoke about earlier, we want to definitely uh, create these investments, which brings Highgate into the forefront. Uh, so I think uh, uh, we are not uh, at a stage yet where we are, uh, where you go to Highgate and you click and to your point, uh, you know, book a hotel yet. But those are things that we continue to discuss. Now, whether that happens via the, um, the umbrella brand or, that happens between between several other sub brands. Uh, that is something that we continue to kind of uh, discuss, and it'll evolve itself. So, uh, so I think uh, that's uh, period. That's that's what it was. So, at some point, I could go on Highgate.com and book the new Broy directly on Highgate. Is that what you're saying? I mean, uh, we haven't really flushed it out completely, but we are we are in the process of looking at if if we want to go that route or we want to continue to kind of keep Highgate, Highgate as an umbrella and create new different sub-brands. So, so we haven't really concluded on that just yet. Okay, it's very interesting, very new. It's something I'll definitely want to you know touch base on later because it's 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 very it's very un, uh, you know unheard of. So very innovative, I think. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Europe. Um, and as I mentioned, yeah, I think you've done about $1 billion of real estate in Portugal. At the moment, you are mainly a US-focused company, but you're expanding into Europe. Why have you chosen Europe over other rapidly growing regions such as Asia or, or, or Middle East? So, so first things first, we've actually been in Europe on two uh, occasions, so the last two decades. Uh, we've operated in Europe. 
So we understand Europe completely. Uh, we've operated in over 10 countries in Europe uh, pre-COVID. Uh, we understand, uh, you know, the fundamentals of supply and demand within European, you know, top 25 markets. And we love Europe. I think uh, Europe is unique. Uh, and uh, uh, when we looked at Portugal, like I was alluding to earlier, it has a very unique and strong supply demand fundamental. There's a deep moat around, uh, you know, uh, and great barriers to entry in an addressable manner in terms of how you can build or uh, acquire hotels. So, uh, and again, with, with the demand uh, fundamentals of, uh, you know, it becoming such a strong leisure destination across Europe and broadly Americans and, you know, soon to be globally with China opening and wider Asia opening and, you know, uh, the connectivity on travel and so on and so forth, we feel that there is, uh, there is a huge, huge opportunity here. I think there's a huge disconnect to uh, what it commands in terms of pricing to other Southern uh, European countries like Spain and France. And, and when you kind of look at the talent pool here, there are incredibly talented uh, individuals here, uh, very entrepreneurial in their approach. I mean, uh, you know, so all of these factors pretty much culminated our conviction on we can we could on how we could add value here. Uh, well, uh, you know, with this uh, this beachfront, uh, we're probably one of the largest operators in Portugal today, uh, with over eighteen hotels, and then we continue to operate hotels in London. Uh, you know, one uh, one we own uh, with a capital partner, uh, and one we manage for. Uh, so we have two hotels in London, but we continue to kind of look at deals in Europe uh, because we we have huge convictions on, uh, you know, how how uh, we can add value here. Let's talk a little bit about the barriers to entry, um, particularly for Europe, because the European Central Bank has you know recently published research on the contagion risks that might arise from real estate investment funds kind of increasingly make up, making up a larger share of the total commercial real estate market. And I think it's about 40% in, in the euro area. So it's you know pretty significant. And I think the risk is, or what the ECB thinks is, if, if, if these funds, um, you know, if there's instability in those funds that would materially impact the total commercial real estate market. And that's a market that already has pretty deteriorating kind of outlooks already. And, you know, that could see more regulations being placed on real estate investment funds in Europe kind of in the future. Is this something that concerns you and, and Highgate in general? I mean, you know, it's again, we, we don't prognosticate a lot on the macro, uh, you know, but of course, mm. if, if things do turn around, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be equally informed and we'll act accordingly with our stakeholders, partners. But for now, we view uh, the opportunities that we've just uh, got into about uh, three months ago in Portugal and, uh, you know, recently in a second hotel in London to be quite unique. And, uh, you know, we are very happy with how they are kind of coming out of the gate. And, you know, we just focused on uh, the ground fundamentals right now. And we continue to kind of get our teams to focus on uh, the middle of the PNL, you know, you know, kind of focus on uh, the energy, labor, and all those aspects that are kind of... Uh, uh, more concerning from an operations uh, standpoint. But yeah, to your point, I mean, if things change, we'll, we'll be ready to act accordingly. Okay. Okay. Very clear. And um, so you so we talked a bit about luxury, we talked about Europe. So is your investment in Portugal, is that mainly in luxury and lifestyle? And I think on stage, you've talked a lot about kind of wanting to invest in complex investments, hotels and branded residences as a joint investment, which I think does naturally skew towards luxury. 
So is that what makes up most of the investment in Portugal or is it a mixture of luxury branded residences and also mid-scale or is it mainly kind of no, absolutely. So, so, so again, uh, you know, we like complex assets because that's where we think that our our in-house capabilities are most impactful. Be it like, uh, you know, back office efficiencies, you know, uh, procurement, revenue management, sales, construction, branding, so on and so forth. But again, uh, looking at Portugal, we are looking at uh, a phenomenal, uh, you know, a piece of real estate that we acquired across, you know, uh, you know, beachfront, uh, resi. Uh, golf courses and so on and so forth. We, we, we have some uh, extensive capital plans uh, for, for, the, uh, for, for, for this particular piece of investment. And we are kind of uh, flushing out whether uh, that skews towards more branded, luxury, lifestyle, and so on and so forth. But these are all things uh, that we kind of look at. But uh, our, our front and center focus has always been the right play for the real estate. So, you know, because we believe that once you have that set the right way, then you're managing expectations uh, for the real estate the right way. And, and again, that's how, uh, that's how we start. So what is the right thing for each piece of uh, real estate, be it uh, a branded hotel, uh, be it a lifestyle hotel, be it a luxury hotel, be it an independent as-is hotel. So those are things that we continue to look at by, by asset. And uh, we, we continue to kind of... Uh, uh, make determinations around that based on what I just outlined. Great. So I think we're coming up to the end of our time here. So let me just sum up what we've discussed today. So we've talked about the current macroeconomic dynamics and why investors can hope to stay optimistic in the face of a weak financing environment due to opportunities that might you know, rise from assets that come up for refinancing, as well as the supply growth opportunities that arise from demand growing faster than supply. Uh, we've also discussed in depth the investments taking place in the luxury segment, such as Highgate's recent acquisition of the Viceroy Hotel portfolio, as well as the new opportunities that have risen in the blending of the hotel and short-term rental industries. So thank you, Ankur, for sharing your insights. I really very much enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, Pranami. Likewise, it was a pleasure. Thank you again. Great. And um, I'd like to thank everyone who's listening. Thank you for tuning in to today's edition of the Skip Podcast. Hope you found it interesting and informative. This has been the Skip Podcast. Thank you for listening.